0: My favorite social science experiment of all time uh, was done by a guy named Walter Michel called the Marshmallow Test, which some of you probably know. Michelle was at Columbia, or now Columbia was at Stanford. He took four-year-olds in a room, put a marshmallow on the table in front of them, uh, and said, you can eat this marshmallow now, but I'll give you two marshmallows if you can wait 10 minutes, and I'm gonna leave the room. And so he shows me videos of the kids trying not to eat the marshmallows, uh, and there's a little girl banging her head on the table trying <laughs> not to eat the marshmallow day Michelle is using an Oreo cookie. A little guy uh, picks up the Oreo, carefully eats out the middle, and carefully puts it back. (laughs) That kid is now a US senator. (laughs) Uh, But the scary thing is that the people who could wait, uh, the four-year-olds who could wait 10 minutes, 20 years later have much higher college completion rates, and 30 years later much higher incomes. And the kids who could only wait one minute have much higher drug and alcohol addiction problems, much higher incarceration and that's because some people grow up in homes where actions lead to consequences and they learn to control their impulses. So if you can do that, you'll be fine. If you can't do that, life will be very frustrating. So again, this is all about things that are inside ourselves, the sentiments, the emotions, self-control. And these are the secrets to a successful and flourishing society. And it's just phenomenally hard for a government to peer into that and to nurture those kind of relationships. They grow up spontaneously and organically so the core of the reason I became a conservative watching that and watching events in Russia and Africa and all sorts of things was a phrase that Edmund Burke, we wrote about yesterday, uh, came up with, epistemological modesty. And that epistemology is the science of what we know and can know, and modesty is modesty. So there's just not much we can know. And when we legislate, we have to be cautious about what we can know and plan, because the important things, the individual relationships, are just hard to measure and quantify and impossible for the CBO to score. So that was really the transition. And then then I went through this peregrination. I worked for William Buckley, I worked for uh, the Washington Times, Wall Street Journal for nine years, you name a right-wing outfit, I worked for it. Uh, And it took me a while to figure out what sort of conservative I was. And that's because the tradition that I really believe in uh, is one that's a little dormant in American politics now. But it is an ancient tradition there are two parties in this country, but there are three traditions. There's a liberal tradition that believes in using government to enhance equality. There's a a free market libertarian tradition that believes in reduced government to enhance freedom. But then there's a third tradition, and that's a tradition that believes in limited but energetic government to enhance social mobility. You know, I mentioned my parents were getting hash brownies served and all that stuff, quite a liberal background, but my grandparents were immigrants. When you come to this country especially from immigrant stock you get a sense that this country is here to enhance social mobility and so people can rise and we had tradition oriented around that and it was a tradition started by alexander hamilton and i'm going to get the dates slightly wrong or the ages but basically when hamilton was eight his father left him. when he was 10 his mother died in the bed next to him he was adopted by an uncle who committed suicide within a year he was adopted by grandparents, both of whom died within the next year. So basically between the ages of ten or eight and fourteen, he lost everyone he ever loved. A court came in, took away all his property. So by fourteen, he was destitute alone. By, I'm going to get the ages slightly wrong, but by twenty-five, he's George Washington's chief of staff, and a revolutionary war hero. By thirty, he's written the Federalist Papers, and is New York's most successful lawyer. By forty, He's retired as the most successful Treasury sector in U.S. history. Now, he created a system of governments which was not about enhancing freedom. It was about making a government so people like him could succeed. And he revolutionized the war debt to smash the local oligarchies that people like Thomas Jefferson had created to create capital markets so there could be dynamism. And he created a tradition which was carried on by the Whig Party and then carried on by the Republican Party in uh, when it was found. And my, I think the most important Abraham Lincoln story, which he thought was one of the most important Lincoln stories, he would tell about himself as a young boy on the Ohio River. He was poor, he had uh, you know, no money, no prospects, he stuck out there on a farm, and he had a putty him a boat. And some travelers came by and they asked him, uh, you know, if you row us across the river, we'll each give you half a dollar. So he rows them across, and they throw the half dollars into the pot with a boat. And he said later, you might think this is a relatively unimportant thing, but the fact that I, a poor boy, could make a dollar in less than a day opened my eyes and saw, I began to see my life in a different form. And he went on to say to a group of immigrants in Ohio uh, that the purpose of life is to improve your tradition. And he and the Republican Party and the founding, including William Pitt-Fessenden and all the others, Created the land grant college act the homestead legislation the railroad legislation the currency legislation not to give people not to shield people from the market to give people the means to compete in the market and so to me that is a proud tradition that started with hamilton went through the republican party the weak party up until maybe teddy roosevelt and then it sort of went away and it went away because in the 20th century we got caught in a big argument between socialism and libertarians, and the argument was big government versus small government, and so the limited but energetic argument was lost in that. Now I think it's time for a re- recovery because a, we, our our social mobility is on the decline, no better than other nations anymore. <coughs> B, stagnant wages, middle class anxiety, a million reasons. Uh, and and but the problem for me in this moment is that because of what the, President Obama has done and the aggressive expansion of government of the past year, we are suddenly thrown back into that old 20th century argument of big government versus small government. And it's very hard for anybody who believes in some government to enhance capitalism and competition to be heard. But the fact is, where the Republican Party is going, you know, where Marco Rubio is going, where Rand Paul is going, it's an understandable reaction to what we've seen over the last year. I completely get that, and I wrote that angry populate, that angry person, angry voter column, to sort of reflect what people are feeling. But as a governing agenda, as a way to put the country on a fiscal <coughs> footing, as a way to enhance social mobility, it's just not an agenda. And so uh, I think there's gonna be this protest that we're gonna see this year, but then there's gonna be something that comes after, when Republicans gain some power, and it's gonna have to be a more positive agenda, and that essentially hasn't changed and we can talk about what that might be, but I I just emphasize this because I think sometimes when you go to a, a sort of very conservative dinner, people have a governing philosophy. You go to the Heritage Foundation over here, they got neckties. They have Adam Smith on the necktie. St. Thomas Aquinas, they know what they believe. You go to the New America Foundation or a liberal dinner, they know what they believe. But some of us who are more in the center, a lot of centrists don't know what they believe. And as a result, you get politicians, frankly, like Arlen Specter, who is sort of flipping with the wind, opportunistically. Uh, and so that's, this is the core reason we don't have a strong center right tradition in this country, because we haven't told the American people what we believe. So anyway, that's my opening comments.